Funk music spans a spectrum of sounds. Its origins in 1960s soul grew to a fiercely independent genre in the 1970s. Some have even argued that funk may have originated in the sounds of the blues, or in the birthplace of jazz itself, New Orleans. Regardless of its roots, in the 70s, its influence spread into Africa, especially the nations of Ethiopia and Nigeria, where it gained its own local flavor and blossomed into Afrobeat and Afro-funk. In the United States, it branched off into disco, which became the dance and house music of today, which still claims funk as its title. The late 70s and early 80s brought a unique incarnation of funk known as hip-hop, a genre of its own still going strong today. The 90s grew another branch as funk rock dominated radio waves with unstoppable tracks, while jazz artists also forged their own path into the realms of acid jazz, fusion, and jazz funk. Record labels opened their vaults of sealed-up, rare funk records from decades prior for the DJs and hip-hop artists demanding more tunes for their own beat collections, and a new generation of funksters was born. The turn of the century brought with it a reinvigoration of organ jazz, inspired by the artists of the 1960s and 70s, and new artists fused funk and jazz into upbeat grooves for new funk fans. This spawned a global love for OG as well as new school funk, especially in European nations and Australia. In the past 20 years, it's continued evolving into subgenres we now refer to as cinematic soul, soul jazz, psychedelic soul or psychedelia, as well as the radio-friendly funk pop. And those are just the genres that you can put a label on. All this to say that funk, as a spectrum of music, as an attitude, and as a philosophy, is alive and well. This is Michael B., and in each episode of 40 Minutes of Funk, we'll explore a unique shade of funk, with artists and experts from all over the globe and across time. We'll spend at least 40 minutes in discussion with funk practitioners, and in most cases, even hear original music they provide. In the words of James Brown, the godfather of soul, who's also been called the grandmaster of funk, whatever we do, it's got to be funky. Let's go. Today's guest is, I'm just going to say it, a guitar god among jazz and funk fans, though, as I'm sure you're going to hear today, he's super down to earth. Uh, he's a Grammy Award winning guitarist, composer, producer and instructor who's earned major street cred and fandom from his work with jazz funk showstoppers Snarky Puppy and the Fearless Flyers. As a solo artist, his independent records have made huge waves on Billboard and iTunes jazz charts, and he's racked up frequent flyer miles by touring six continents, backing up artists such as Erica Badu. Nelly and American Idol season 11 winner Philip Phillips, name a few. <laughs> uh, his session recording work also includes master artists such as David Crosby, Kirk Franklin, 50 Cent, and many, many others. 
He's got his own signature guitar, and perhaps most importantly, he's the proud father of two cats. <laughs> and a child. Oh, and a child. Oh, okay. But maybe I should have updated the bio. I don't know. <laughs> your bio like, probably needs to be updated. I thought it said that I had a kid. Whatever. I think it says you're married with two cats. But Oh, uh, shoot. Yeah. All right. Good to anyway, know. Anyway, here to give us the rundown in his life and career so far is Mark Latiri. Welcome to 40 Minutes of Funk, Mark. <laughs> Thanks, Michael. Appreciate it, man. <laughs> so where are you dialing in from today? could have sworn I put that on my bot. Weird. All right. <laughs> Maybe I didn't hit sit save or something. Uh, I'm in Fort Worth, Texas, down here. Um, so not far from you up yeah. in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah about not, three hours away. Yeah, and um, yeah. So I guess is this your home studio? Or the, yeah, well, it's a room yeah. <laughs> that I make music in. Yeah. So in that case, yes, it is a home studio. Yeah. So uh, it's a mess listen. Currently. Listeners, on uh, Mark's right is probably 15 guitars. I, I'm not lying if I about, say that. Is that right? That. Yeah, something like that. Yeah, uh, along the wall there. Count. Oh, and lots of prints. <laughs> lots of prints of prints. Yeah, there's the uh, uh, there's two. Uh, they're worth three, and then I was like, that's excessive. So let's just do two. <laughs> okay. Yeah, there's a live shot there and then a painting over there. And I think the other one is the Purple Rain movie poster but that's in the bathroom <laughs> oh, okay i can't see that one from yeah uh before we dive into the interview uh i'd like to take a second and thank you for performing on the 40 minutes of uh, funk theme music yeah that was fun yeah i mean that was well over a year ago before this podcast even started and for some reason you were kind enough to show this uh to help this stranger out with your uh fantastic guitar licks thanks, for music man. so yeah sean again. martin played on it too didn't he he did as a matter right. of fact yeah cool. so appreciate you being uh, a part of that so yeah man well we finally got the chance to meet in person this summer uh you played at the jazz in june uh festival in my hometown norman oklahoma you put on a hell of a show despite the heat mm. um and yes. i thought it was a warm day <laughs> it was not cold yeah <laughs> um i've talked to so many people who were blown away by your performance um nice thanks yeah, I actually meant to give you a 40 Minutes of Funk t-shirt before you left, and then I got caught up in my MC duties, and I didn't get to Oh, it that. happens. I'll send yeah. you one. Cool. Yeah, what's your t-shirt size? Uh, Smedium. Smedium. Okay, yeah. I, can, I can deal with that. And yeah. uh, what's your address? No, I'm just kidding. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you my social security number, too? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, I'll get that from you later. <laughs> All right, so let's get into this. Who is Mark Latiri? Where did you grow up, and what was the musical journey that uh, eventually landed you in Fort Worth? Well, I grew up in Menlo Park, California, which is part of the San Francisco Bay Area okay. on the peninsula, um, sort of famous now for being part of Silicon Valley, uh, okay. where all the tech stuff is. And so I grew up, kind of came of age learning guitar in the 90s. Um, mm. And in that area, there wasn't really didn't really there wasn't a music scene or at least one that i wasn't aware of at that age mm -hmm. you know 12 13 14 um but i was into kind of all the classic rock artists that most young suburban guitar players would gravitate to when they start picking up an instrument mm -hmm. um you know i i started with Jimi hendrix for sure um i had a lot of you know grunge influences because that was still kind of on the radio all the time you know right 
um, bands like Stone Temple Pilots and Soul Asylum and Soundgarden oh, yeah. and things like, you know, it's great music, um, yeah, great yeah, guitar yeah. music, you know. Um, but as I started progressing on the instrument, you know, the kind of like Hendrix thing sort of took over and that led to me discovering more of the like guitar hero type music like Van Halen and um, oh gosh, I mean, I think everyone I listened to had a great guitar solo in it, you know? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I got real into like instrumentalists like Steve Vai and Eric Johnson and Joe Satriani and, um, players of that ilk and, um, slowly started getting into funk music and R and B and soul and jazz a little bit. Um, John Schofield was always a major influence. Oh yeah. Uh, he, he was totally. important in that it kind of bridged the gap for me between like funky groovy stuff, but like jazz Mm -hmm. harmony you know because i've never really considered myself a jazz guitar player in the traditional sense mm -hmm. uh, but i definitely take a lot from that style of music and put it into my own but yeah. I, you know i'm not gonna sit in at the village vanguard and play a bunch of standards at 300 bpm like that's not what i do <laughs> you know right. but um i got into gospel music a lot when i was in college yeah um and actually kind of what brought me to texas was not necessarily music um i was big into athletics i ran track in college and, and and uh so i wanted to go to a school that where i could compete on the track team and so i walked on at tcu oh nice um and coincidentally i mean i think probably academics was probably my focus tcu has a had a really good uh journalism department um for mm. advertising and public relations which is what my parents did okay and so that kind of interested me enough to maybe think about making it a a degree at least, you know, mm -hmm. um, and really a career. I mean, that's kind of what I thought I was going to be doing when I was going to go to college. I was going to work in advertising and oh, you know, really? In yeah. And, you know, playing bands on the weekends, et cetera. Um, but it just, you know, life happens <laughs> and, and your, your true, uh, calling in life comes, comes around at times when you might not expect it. And so by the time I was finishing college, you know, around my senior year, I had pretty much made up my mind that I didn't want to work in advertising. I didn't want to work in PR. Yeah. I was done. You know, I was finishing up my career as an athlete. I wasn't going to go pro, obviously. So um, that was done. Uh, but I was still playing guitar. I was getting pretty good. Uh, I was playing in a lot of bands. I had met a lot of people in the scene uh, in Fort Worth and, in, and slowly more in Dallas and had enough tentacles out there that I thought I could make a career of it, at least start a career here. Um, it, 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 it felt like a, a comfortable place to, to start a music career. Mm -hmm. Um, and I, I guess maybe in my head, I thought I would at some point go to Los Angeles or Nashville or something like that, or maybe even back to the Bay area or whatever, but never really felt the need to do that after a while. Um, I became very satisfied with my sound and my career and the kind of music I was making just living here. And so I chose to continue to have a career here. And, and now um, I wouldn't say I'm as involved in the local music scene as I was, but uh, just because so much of my career now is, is travel based, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, but right. it's a great place to live. So we're just happy to live here, you know, with my family and um, my, my parents moved out of California. They live in, in North Texas too. So, Oh, nice. Yeah, we're kind of all here now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So did you did you ever take any internships or advertising type jobs? I did, yeah. yeah? <laughs> um, I did, yeah. I had, a, I, I had a job the summer between my junior and senior year at a very, very well, a very, very, you know, uh, prestigious public relations firm yeah. in the city in San Francisco. And I took the train every morning and wore khakis. 
and, uh, <laughs> and, you know, worked on press releases and there were a couple other interns there and I think they probably are still in PR maybe. Yeah. Um, but I, I just remember sitting at my desk, like just not focusing on what I was being paid to do and just thinking about music and thinking about when can I get out of here so I can go hang out with my friends at the blues jam, Yeah. you know, later at night or I remember leaving early one day to go see Van Halen. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I got tickets to Van Halen. I'm out of here. Yo, this was like 2004 was... Van Halen. So, it, yeah. you know, um, I, yeah. And, and I, I just remember, gosh, the, the interview, like the, the exit interview, you know, where yeah. they basically either tell you like, we'd love for you to come back or like, thanks. It's been fun. You know, <laughs> it was yeah. definitely like, thanks. I don't think this is for you. You yawn a lot. And I was like, well, it's cause this shit's boring. <laughs> That's amazing. I, I didn't say that, but I, you know, I probably sort of poorly defended myself and tried to make it sound like I was actually really interested. And, you know, yeah. so I finished my senior year of college and I actually applied for a couple jobs. Um, but didn't, you know, I just didn't get, I think it was our, I, I think I applied a little too late and most places had already hired. Yeah there's the graduating seniors. And then, so I, I took a, the first band I joined after college was a Texas country rock band that was really? playing around. Yeah. What was I met the name that, of the band. They were called the Michael Klein band. Oh, okay. You know, because every band in Texas country is named after the lead singer. And then they just put <laughs> band at the end of it. Right. Right. Either that or some sort of innocuous, strange name about like telephone canyon ramblers or something <laughs> <laughs> or you know whatever it is uh but this, yeah this i should still the guy who's got the mark Leterry group called, right yeah well that's it's because it's the best i could think of i know band <laughs> names whatever yeah i also played a bangle snarky puppy which is a ridiculous name so yeah right right i get it i'm also making fun of myself here yeah yeah uh, but you know, it's funny. Michael and I, uh, Michael Klein and I, still keep in touch. He he moved to Florida. You know, he's not even in music anymore. Um, oh, but wow. we still keep in touch every now. But anyway, so I met those guys. They had a a band that was playing around Texas a fair amount, and um, I you know I needed a gig. I was like, yeah, I can play this music. Cool. Let's you know, let's do it. And so the drummer in the band had a friend from high school that started like a promotional products sales company that did like imprinted sportswear. And like, I just happened to be holding like, you know, one of those rubber yeah. wristband things. Yeah. Um, so he was like, why don't you come work for me? You know, during the day you can make some extra cash, like helping me out with logistics and shipping and things like that. And, and maybe if you, you want to have a couple accounts on your own, you can sell, make some commission, save some money. And then, you know, I don't expect you to work here forever, but I'm happy to help you out, make some money. So I did yeah. that for like two years and just saved up, Oh, okay. You know, lived in a one bedroom apartment that was very cheap. Um, just kept the bills and the costs low. And then finally I was like, okay, I think I can quit and go play full time, you know? Yeah. And so that was like 2008, I think yeah. when I finally stopped doing that. Yeah. Well, you're, uh, you're talking to a, a guy who was in PR for 15 years. So I oh, can wow. definitely right. relate to the, the whole khakis and just like soul sucking. They probably wear jeans now. I don't know. It's, t it's tough because like my, my, dad did it and he was very good at it yeah uh, you know and 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 i think he liked it because he's a great writer and so yeah. that his his angle in pr he was primarily a writer and a speech writer mm -hmm. so i think it was creatively fulfilling for him i don't have th that gift <laughs> so, <laughs> so you know i i that, and that was the one thing that they noticed the pr they were like you're really you're well i guess they I, maybe i do they were like you're a very good writer yeah and i was like yeah, well that. okay but they're like but beyond that <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so so 
you know, I, it just wasn't for me. I yeah. Guess. Yeah. yeah. Well, the nice thing about writing music now is you don't have to like, you know, worry about AP style or anything. Right. That's right. But I still get really annoyed if I, you know, read bios or other things <laughs> that are just don't sound right to me. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or like lay out on uh, flyers that just makes my head want to explode. Yeah. You know, stuff like that. I'm yeah. Like I remember I yelled at a friend of mine. And I was like, dude, have you ever heard about kerning? And he's like, what? <laughs> I was like, dude, all the letters on your stupid poster are right next to each other. You can't read it. You know? <laughs> I feel like kerning is an opportunity for a, a song title at some point. Like, okay. I got yeah. in there for you. I'll yeah. work it out. Yeah. yeah. So 2008, you're you're going out on your own. You're you you've you've been paying some bills with the 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 marketing PR job. Um, is this is this about the time that you find um, Snarky Puppy and join the ranks? Just about. I uh, I found them before that. Okay. Uh, I was I think I met. Michael was the first. Michael League was the first guy I met, and that was probably two thousand founder. Yeah, yeah, that was probably two thousand and seven, and we met through a mutual friend, Philip Lassiter. Okay, yeah, um, you probably trumpet know guy. Phil. Yeah, trumpet player, songwriter, yeah. um, and he's worked on my music a bunch, and I've worked on his a bunch. And, and Phil had a band. Phil used to live in Dallas and had a band called Country Fried Soul. Okay, uh, and I met Phil just kind of through the Dallas R and B scene, and he was like, "Dude, you got to come play in my band." And, and so I was playing in Phil's band and, and it was a great band. We played a lot, you know, we played a lot of gigs and did a lot of, uh, Bernard Wright played in that band. Nice. Um, so that was really special. Um, mm. but Phil was also a church music director at this church that Michael was playing bass at. Okay. And so I think Mike came and maybe did one or two gigs with the country fried soul. And that's where I met him. And then, no, actually, wait a minute. I think Phil booked a gig with Snarky Puppy. And so it was like Country Fried Soul and Snarky Puppy. And that's when I first saw them. Okay. Uh, and then, you know, kind of became friends with the guys. And, and Mike would play a little bit with Country Fried Soul. And then um, Mike and Robert Seawright from Ghost Note, Sput. Sput, yeah. Uh, I knew Sput for, a, I think I met Sput probably around the same time I met Phil. Okay. And uh, so Sput would put Michael and myself on a lot of gospel recording sessions okay so we did a lot of work together that way and um at the time i was really just a fan of the band you know i was like wow these guys are great they're gonna be huge like it'd be nice you know i'll be the guy that said i knew him when kind of thing <laughs> yeah um and then there was a weekend of shows in new orleans uh i think in maybe new orleans and like lafayette maybe hattiesburg or something like down in the swamp you know uh -huh. snarky used to go there a lot that was a big stomping ground for us early early on. And uh, Bob Lanzetti and Chris McQueen, who were the two original guitar players, I think Bob was living in New York at the time mm -hmm. and couldn't come down to do the gig. And then Chris McQueen had another rock band that he was really uh, pushing with, and so he wasn't available. So Mike called me. I, he may have call, even called other people before me. Wow. <laughs> I might have been like the fifth guy he called or something. <laughs> Uh, but I said, yeah, sure. You know, I'll learn the tunes and, and, um, went and did those three shows with them. And, and that's kind of how I was brought into the, you know, they liked the way I played the music and, you know, Mike knew that I had a specific sound that could be beneficial to the band. So yeah, that's kind of how it came, came around. So that, that was, was like it? 20, 2009, I think. Okay. Yeah. 
Well, we have so much more to cover on the show, but I'd like to give listeners a chance to hear some of the funky magic that is uh, Mark Leteri before we continue. Okay. <laughs> um, cool. You sent me three tracks, and I thought we'd start with Nap Time uh, right. from, from your 2020 Ground Up music album, Things of That Nature. And as is the case with so much of your music, it's this great blend of funk, jazz, and rock. Uh, cool. Can can you tell me how nap time came together? <laughs> yeah, well, uh, the title's what it is. Uh, <laughs> my kid, she was probably, let's see, I think the record came out in 2019, so I probably wrote this in 2018. Okay. And so she would have been one and a half, probably, and was taking a nap. <laughs> and okay. uh, I, I don't know if my wife was home or not or... Uh, or whatever, but I remember just being like, cool, I've got about two hours <laughs> to be productive today, you know, in between dadding, as yeah. you call it. And uh, so I went in there and um, may have had the original riff already stored on, on an iPhone or something and, and was like, cool, I'm going to do something with this. Let's go. And so um, it, it wrote itself pretty quickly. Uh, yeah. That's one of the fastest tunes I've ever written. Yeah. Um, and, and yeah, it's it's sort of a... I guess you could say a quintessential Mark Lazieri tune. I mean, it's 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 funky riff based, but then there's kind of this pop chorus with a, yeah. with a melody over it, and um, fun one to play live. I, I don't play it nearly enough because sometimes I don't get a chance to travel with a, another guitar tuned to drop D. Oh right. <laughs> and I don't like wasting the audience's time while I tune a guitar. You know. <laughs> well, you could have told that story right now, just while you. I know, were and that's D usually and what I end up doing. <laughs> um, but we're we're gonna probably put that back in the rotation or something yeah. like that. It's a fun one. So yeah, well, that's a great story. I was sitting here going, "This does not sound like a nap time type of a song." It's but a now, a, yeah. It, yeah, it makes sense yeah. now. Mm-hmm. Well, let's hear it uh, from his album "Things of That Nature." Here's "Nap Time" by Mark Letiri. <laughs> Thank you. 
with today's special guest, Mark Letiri. Mark, uh, let's get back to Snook. <laughs> let's get back to Snooky Parpy. <laughs> Snooky Puppy from Jersey Shore. That's right. Yeah, uh, you, you play with her too, right? Uh, What's that? Yeah, you right. play with her too, right? Totally great. She's yeah. a mega talent. Yeah. Well, uh, let me try that again. Snarky Puppy, obviously, uh, for a bit. You joined the fam in, uh, I guess we were talking about 2008 or nine. Um, mm-hmm. Did you have, I mean, you sort of alluded to this fact that you felt like maybe they would explode into what is now a Grammy-winning, sold-out show juggernaut. How did you, how did you know at that time that this was going to happen? I mean, they were just really good. Yeah, I mean, you know, it was like it was like, wow, I wish I could write like that. I wish I could play like that. You know, yeah. it was just very it's like you just saw people that were just at another level. Yeah. And yeah. and it's just sort of like, cool. Well, they're off. They're off and running. You yeah. Know? Good for it's, them. It seems to me like such an esoteric kind of a sound too. like there's not a lot of bands doing what snarky puppy does and hasn't right. been, you know, for well, the last 10 yeah, years, I mean, years or more. And I never really. It was never an issue of like, wow, they're really good, but that kind of music isn't popular or whatever. Like, I didn't even really think about that. It was just yeah. like, wow, they're really good. Obviously, someone's going to dig this. Yeah. You know, I mean, I could have written it off as like, this is amazing, but it's too underground and, you know, like whatever. But I, I knew enough about the music business at that point that like it didn't really matter if you were in pop or not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. You know, like they could... I think probably what I thought was happen is they would end up on like the jam band scene or something like that and like mm-hmm. blow up and they kind of we kind of sort of do I mean we cross over into that a little bit but yeah um yeah it was just one of those musical experiences where I was like wow this is great stuff and people are going to dig it wherever they find an audience but they're going to find an audience you know for yeah. this kind of stuff um it's probably the band I would have been really into if I was in high school yeah you know? yeah um, but uh yeah I mean you know, so so when they asked me to be involved, I was like, "What the hell am I gonna?" <laughs> it's like, well, all right, <laughs> you guys like funk, okay? You know, um, but yeah, it's, I mean, it's and it's been obviously just an incredible experience. I mean, it's, it's definitely a one of a kind thing that that you know. I remember talking to a friend in high school. We had just sort of di- discovered funk together mm-hmm. you know and we went to go see a band of older guys from our high school that were playing like stevie wonder covers and stuff and we were just like wow these guys are awesome nice. you know yeah and i remember on the car ride home i was like dude one of these days i'm gonna be in a band where it's like where it's like george clinton but with steve Vai on guitar <laughs> nice and i don't know if that's exactly what snarky puppy is but in sometimes it's not far off <laughs> no that's that's a really good um way to explain that like a very succinct way to, to yeah to illustrate it, it was because those were like my biggest you know huge influences at the time and i was like man i'm gonna figure out a way there's something that would be awesome yeah <laughs> if it was like super funky but like really crazy guitar playing you know yeah so i was like all right so here we are i guess we figured it out i don't know does does snarky puppy have a philosophy like a musical philosophy like when i see and hear you guys i just think these guys are just it looks like you're just making music that is fun like you're just having fun making music i mean is there more to the band than that or is it simply just we're gonna make a lot of great music having fun i mean well i think that's definitely a a a touchstone of it you know i mean uh there is an element of fun and everything that we do but you know not everything is like a party song Mm -hmm. i think the band is just trying to get the best compositions yeah And, and if that 
that sounds Brazilian or Moroccan or Southern rock and roll or whatever, you know, I mean, that could be, because there's elements of all of that that come in from all the different composers. Uh, and then it all just sort of gets blended into the snarky puppy sound. I mean, the new record kind of goes all over the place. Like they sort of all do. Yeah. Um, but I think at, at the core, it's like, it's got a groove, you know, the harmonies usually pretty advanced, but secretly advanced. Yeah. I think it's one of those bands where if you dig into it, it it's complicated, but if you just listen to it, it just sounds cool. Yeah. And so I think that's sort of always been our MO a little bit. Yeah. What's the, what is Mike Lee's leadership style in this band? He's a total dictator. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Um, he's, he definitely, you know, has a vision and knows what he wants, but he is also very open to everything. Yeah. Um, you know, but at the end of the day, yeah, it's like what, I mean, if, uh, he either is convinced or not, <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> which is good, which is the mark of good leadership. I mean, if, you know, yeah, he's not right all the time. Sometimes other people in the band are right. And he yeah. would be like, you know what? You're right. I'm glad we did that. Yeah. Um, so it's, it's an element of, 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 uh, being flexible, but also being assertive and confident, you know? Yeah. I think that's what makes a good leader. Was, was there ever a moment that you can recall when, you all sort of collectively realized, holy crap, this is turning into a big deal. Or was that ever really important to y'all? Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think there was, I remember getting an email about like, Hey, we need to start dressing. Like we didn't, you know, like we didn't look like we got off work at a gas station or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with gas stations, but uh, yeah, I, I do remember one email like, Hey guys, let's look, I think it was like, let's not, let's not look like jazz school kids. <laughs> something <laughs> like that. And so, you know, the, maybe we started wearing clothes that fit or something, but, uh, I, you know, I think it's just, we've just sort of taking, taken every experience in stride and noticed the effect it's had on the band, you know, the effect, uh, it has on how people, are viewing us or, or maybe how certain things we do are attracting new audiences, you know? So we're definitely like aware of it, but I don't think it like, um, we're not, we're going to do what we're going to do, you know? And thankfully we have a fan base that kind of lets us do that. Um, I mean, sure. Everyone has their favorite records and their favorite songs, but the, the, the average serious snarky puppy fan just wants to hear what we're going to do next. Yeah. And so, so that's a nice position to be in. I think yeah. I'm grateful for that. Yeah. So in the midst of this, uh, burgeoning jazz funk monstrosity, uh, over the past now 10, 12 years, you also are start, you start putting out your own solo records, mm-hmm. um, and gaining gra- ground on the jazz charts for albums such as spark and echo. Uh, how often were you gigging in the 20 teens outside of Snarky Puppy, and who were you gigging with? Uh, I was gigging all the time. Yeah. Um, I wasn't playing my solo stuff too much. Uh, I started touring that like back in maybe 2015 a little bit, uh-huh. and then it would slow. It slowly built up to kind of where it is now, where I play a lot. You know, just because mm-hmm. I have more records, I have a more a bigger catalog. I can actually play a two-hour show if I need to. Of your own, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or two sets or two nights or whatever it is. But um, I was working with Erica Badu pretty heavily yeah. um, starting around 2012, and that went on for 
three to five years kind of on and off. Actually, probably longer than that, just sort of got a little less frequent because um, she was just using a different band setup. She just wasn't using guitar for, for a lot of gigs and stuff. But yeah. So I did a lot of work with her traveling around um, playing in that band. Um, you know, I definitely had a, st- a spell doing top 40 wedding bands and things like that. And Really? Um, oh, yeah. I had, an, I had another, I had like two uh, kind of original rock soul bands that I had started and then they, you know, they both fell apart. Yeah. Um, but we were, you know, gigging around clubs and, um, did a lot of work with different singers in like the gospel Christian CCM world doing shows, doing tours. Um, yeah. I mean, I was sort of like a member of snarky puppy. I was kind of starting a solo career. I was also just a regular, you know, not regular, but freelance. Mm-hmm. I mean, and I still am. I mean, that's like still, technically what all of us are <laughs> you know yeah. i mean if someone cooler than snarky puppy calls mike league to do a gig he's gonna do it yeah <laughs> you know what i mean if, if sting <laughs> is like hey i need a bass player he's gonna go <laughs> you know yeah. what i mean if if yeah so you know if like i don't even know if george clinton needs a guitar player i'll probably show up you know <laughs> or yeah. whatever that'd be really fun hell yeah um, so so i think we all kind of keep that that mentality going. Cause that's how kind of we all started. We were, we were working musicians just doing gigs, doing yeah. whatever we could. And, and I know that snarky puppy might not be around forever. You know, I might get tired of making my own music, whatever. Yeah. Uh, so it, it, I don't ever close any doors. Yeah. You know, I definitely don't slam them. Yeah. I always keep them slightly cracked. Yeah. <laughs> Cause yeah. you never know. Yeah. That's fair. Well, you're a musician uh, who performs in a multitude of styles in virtually every genre of music. Uh, when I hear your your solo records, um, I hear tones of Joe Satriani. Then I'll hear Eric Johnson and something. And then an acoustic track comes on out of nowhere, and I'm reminded of Don Ross or mm-hmm. Alex Degrassi. Who are some of your biggest uh, influences, especially when you play such a spectrum of of styles? Mm-hmm. Well, I definitely like uh, being in touch with my influences, sometimes to wear them on my sleeve and then other times to just really kind of internalize them and and turn them into hopefully what I would think is my own sound. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. um, I mean, I'm a big Jeff Beck fan mm-hmm. for sure. Uh, and sure. of course, Prince, we've talked about that. And yeah you know, Steely Dan and Stevie wonder. And <clears throat> I mean, I like interesting harmony. I don't necessarily like to go over the t- overboard with it. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe just cause I'm like, I don't know that much, <laughs> but, um, you know, I, I like to kind of portray, like when I write a tune or when I make a record, I like to kind of just show as many things as I'm feel comfortable showing and, or feel like need to happen in the compositions. You know, like I could shred a lot more probably than I do, but I don't know if I need to do it. Sure. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or, yeah. and I don't know if my fans, uh, need it. Maybe they do. I don't know. Maybe I will, but, uh, it's, it's one of those things where I just, I look at every composition, like, what does this need for me to make this exactly what this song needs, mm-hmm. you know? And so, so yeah, a lot of influences are going to be in play, but yeah, I'm sort of in that strange world where people hear a record and they hear so many influences and I'm just like, well, does that mean 
either a, I don't sound like anything or B I sound like myself. Yeah. <laughs> like I, you know, I'd be like, I don't know that's up to the listener, I guess. Yeah. Um, well, and I didn't mean to imply that I, no, didn't I didn't take that because... at all. It's, it's something I think about. Okay. You know? Yeah. Well, I just was um, like, I, I hear uh, references to things and I totally, go, yeah. And I don't know if they're even, you know, intentional or not, but I'll go like, right. oh, okay, that was, that reminds me of, you know, something off of Avi and music. Um, you sure. Know, yeah. And, and in a good well, way, because like, I, I think, love those guys too. Yeah. Well, right? I think what's funny about it, and maybe this is just, uh, maybe this should help me feel like maybe I'm doing the right thing is that a lot of people hear influences that I don't have. Okay. Or, or something like, Oh yeah, that reminded me of this record. I'll be like, I've never even heard that record. <laughs> or like, I don't, yeah. I've never checked out that, that guitar player, you yeah. know, that kind of, so it's like, okay, cool. Well, maybe that's a good thing. Yeah. You know. Maybe we're all, we're all just hearing what we want to hear. Fine. Right? That's fine. Too. It's instrumental music. <laughs> Who cares? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, have you ever met or especially even played with uh, any of your guitar idols? Um, Yeah. A few. Um, I've played and, and hung. I mean, Charlie Hunter is a good friend. I, I can oh, call yeah. him a friend. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. Steve Lukather and I have been yeah. getting pretty close. He played on a record. Um, Eric Gales, I've played with a bunch. Oh, and my he's God. Just, he's you know, I mean, actually, I should say the my buddy just texted me. Um, a friend of mine, really good friend of mine, Andy Wood, who's just a phenomenal guitar player up in Knoxville. Mm -hmm. um, I always thought he sounded like John Petrucci if John Petrucci grew up playing bluegrass. Uh, okay. and he, well, anyway, he has a, a guitar camp that he does every year called the woodshed guitar experience. And, um, it's like one of those kind of guitar masterclass camps where he invites a bunch of artists and then the campers come and we do clinics all weekend and shows and nice. lessons and hang out and fellowship and all that good stuff. And, <clears throat> um, so I've gotten to play with a bunch, I mean, Andy Timmons, uh, Tosin Abasi, you know, Greg Cock, Brent Mason, Guthrie Trap. You know, I mean, just some serious heavies yeah. uh, that I've gotten to play with and, and hang with. And, and, you know, it's, it's a, the guitar community is a pretty cool, pretty cool community. Yeah. You know, um, it's a, we're just all hoping everybody gets a piece of the pie, you know, yeah. And yeah. we all want to be famous, <laughs> not famous, <laughs> but you know, we all want to see everybody succeed. Yeah. Not yeah. really c competitive or anything. Yeah. That's good. Well, so, uh, so many of your songs, uh, as, as we've talked about today, like, are totally funk infused. Um, you know, hence your invitation to talk today. Who are some of your biggest funk influences? I know you mentioned George Clinton. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, sure. Certainly Clinton, Prince, uh, um, the Brothers Johnson. Mm -hmm. um, two early influences, uh, I remember hearing Soul Live for the first time and being oh, yeah. really blown away by them. You Eric know, Krasno. and then totally, Kraz is great. Yeah. There's another guy who's a friend that I've gotten to play with. You know, yeah. he's an influence. Um, uh, Lettuce. You know, oh, yeah. those guys are so funky. Yeah, they um, are. Stevie Wonder had a lot of funky stuff. Jeff Beck had a lot of funky stuff. Um, yeah. Man, I'm trying to think. Uh, Don Blackman. I don't know if you ever heard Don. Don. Blackman. You need to hear Don Blackman. He's wow. Okay. Wow. It's it's sort of kind of related to the Bernard Wright kind okay. of New York style of funk yeah. up there. That sort of like late 70s, early 80s New York funk. Um, that's some really incredible stuff. Yeah, of course, Bernard Wright and his music. Um, Marcus Miller, you know. Oh, I mean, yeah. there's so many great oh, yeah. funk. I mean, even like some of the more funky rock stuff like the James Gang. Oh, totally. Or Mountain. 
uh, or ZZ Mountain, Top. I don't know. Okay, so you don't know no, Mountain? I don't know Mountain. All right, this interview's over. I'm sorry. You gotta go. You gotta get on some Mountain, dude. Listeners, I just, I just oh failed. Oh my gosh. Oh, Mountain is awesome. Mountain. Well, okay. you know the song Mississippi Queen. Sing it for me. Uh, Mississippi Queen. You know what I? You know. Wow. All right. Cool. Gotta go. Gotta hit some okay. mountain, dude. Yeah. I'm gonna hit mountain after this. Okay. Okay. Um, right. Mountain's uh, great, but uh, let's see. I mean, ha- you know, Hendrix had great. Oh funk. sure. Yeah. Um, but all that stuff on like I think they did like a South Saturn Delta. Did you ever? It was like a compilation record, I think, that had some of his more funkier stuff, like Power mm-hmm. of Soul mm-hmm. tracks like that. Um, <clears throat> man, uh, Schofield has some great funk stuff. Totally. Um. Gosh, I'm, I know I'm blanking. I mean, Michael Jackson, you know. Sure. Uh, it's like I, there there was an era of like really great groove stuff on the on the radio. Like pop really grooved between like 74 and 87. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There was some really totally. cool stuff in there. Yeah. So. The meters, you know. Oh, God. Yeah, yeah of course. I mean, yeah. All the greats. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think. In season one of the podcast, the meters were mentioned in probably half of my interviews. <laughs> sure. I Somebody was going to mention the meters. Yeah. 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 The time. Did we talk oh, about the time? We did. Which didn't. was also kind of Prince, but we, also well, the time. So yeah. by the time D'Angelo. this well, by the time this uh, episode comes out, uh, I will have already put out the first episode, which uh, was with uh, St. Paul Peterson, who uh, was oh, cool. in the time and um, eventually was going to front the family. But yeah, he he's a keyboardist wow. for the time. Sweet. So yeah, I'd fellow like to hear that one. fellow uh, Forty Minutes of Funk. Uh, Excellent. Alumni. Yeah. Excellent. So, well, I want to ask you uh, something that I also asked you during uh, the afternoon session, whenever you were in Norman for the Jazz and June Festival upstairs in the the library. Right. Uh, with the Mark Letiri group, um, <clears throat> you gave a huge answer that included impromptu jams with your touring buddies, uh, Wes <laughs> and Dan. It lasted a solid 20 minutes, easily the most thorough answer Whoops. I've ever gotten to this question. No, it was awesome. It was a great moment to experience. But without a band uh, to help you illustrate it today, what would you say is a particular funk philosophy that you identify with Mm. probably leaving space okay forget who said it but i remember reading a quote that said funk is the space between the notes Mm -hmm. i don't remember who said it i I think that was either george clinton or bootsy collins i mean it was it was a sounds like a bootsy it was one of the p-funk guys yeah those guys knew what they were doing uh but it makes perfect sense um because that's just what you know, I think your body wants to fill in that space with movement. And so mm. that's why you dance. Yeah. <laughs> and you can have dense funk, I guess. I mean, it's not, it's not a rule, but I think it is something to be conscious of. Um, and that's what I liked about all those bands that we mentioned is yeah. that like it grooves because you know, the pocket is a certain way, the backbeats a certain way, but beyond that, all the parts really lock together cohesively mm-hmm. um everyone's in the pocket in the same way i think that's a big part of it yeah and it and it's because there's not 
maybe even if there is a lot going on, like in Snarky Puppy, for example, uh, we're all sitting in the in the groove the same way. Mm-hmm. So maybe we can get away with having a lot of instrumentation. Um, uh, I think that that even maybe more so than space is just like understanding where you're sitting in the groove in the mm-hmm. pocket, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that takes years of practice. You can't really learn that from YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> that's fair. You know? Yeah. No, that's a good answer. Yeah. Well, and I think that that's interesting. You mentioned that with, with Snarky Puppy because here you have a band that can, I mean, how many t- how many of you are on stage at one time? I know it can change, but. um, Generally it, between eight and ten. Okay. There's a lot of people. Yeah. But think about it. I mean, it's, you know, uh, about four of those are horns, maybe. Mm-hmm. So they they have a specific thing, you know. I think where it can get like treacherous <laughs> is is the guitar and keyboard section. Yeah, because it's like, well, everyone can play chords, you know, uh, but do we all need to be playing chords? <laughs> right. And so that's something. But everyone in that band is such a great listener that we all kind of gravitate towards what needs to happen almost instinctively at this point yeah have you ever uh, been on stage and been like i think i'm gonna do oh oh okay wait yep oh to- oh. all the time totally <laughs> yeah and i think everyone has that has that sort of yeah uh, that bitter but it's you know that's good radar to have when you're in a band that's that big that gets into a section where there is improvisation happening yeah you know yeah. <clears throat> Well, let's hear our next track, uh, Voyager 1, uh, a real funk smasher of a tune uh, off a whole space-themed 2021 album called Deep, the Baritone Sessions Volume 2. The track features fellow Fearless Flyers drummer Nate Smith and Snarky Puppy alumni Bobby Sparks on keys. Uh, How did this song, Voyager 1, come together? Well, I had originally written it for the Fearless Flyers. Okay. Um, it, but we just never got around to doing it. And so I had the demo kind of arranged for the Flyers. Um, but I was like, well, cool. You know, if they don't, if we don't get to it, no big deal. I'll turn it into one of my things. Mm-hmm. And then it just blew up into something kind of bigger and, you know, tough and mean because <laughs> uh, that's what happens when you put bobby sparks on synth bass <laughs> um and so right. so i had kind of programmed it out demoed it out kind of how i heard it in my head and then sent the demo to bobby uh with some instructions like play this do this do your thing here you know take a solo here the sound here and i kind of produced him via email basically and then sure. but what bobby does is he he just he, he instantly knows what you want and and he's a genius with sounds and feel and stuff like that. So he'll send you back 20 tracks of keyboards. Oh crap. And just go like, here, man, here's a choir, do what you want with it, you know? <laughs> and so that's what I did and kind of picked and choose different things that he played. And, 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 um, I didn't like do any cutting and pasting or anything like that. I don't, I don't do that with people's tracks, but you know, it's like, I think I'm going to use the Mellotron here instead of the clavinet that he played. Cause he would play the same part on like three different keyboards and then just be like, oh, here, you nice. pick which sound you want. Yeah. Which is pretty awesome. Yeah. Um, anyway, so, uh, he played all of his keyboards to my programmed drum beat basically. Uh, and then I deleted that and sent everything to Nate who mm. was at a studio up in Nashville and he played along 
and uh, and that's what you hear. And I, one of the things that I just blew me away is there's a section in the tune where Bobby is soloing uh, over himself playing key bass with Nate playing drums, and they were you know 700 miles away from each other. And it's wow. probably the funkiest moment on any of my records. <laughs> and nice. uh, I just love that. Love that. I heard that and I was like, oh my gosh, <laughs> like, wow. what's going on? And so, so that track came together real great. And um, that's, that's sort of like, if, if I were to tell someone what baritone funk was, I'd probably send them, that would be a song that I would send them. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's this kind of mid tempo, gritty, down tuned baritone thing with, crazy synths and a super funky drum part mm-hmm. so and uh lots of good space yeah it's pretty funky. yeah i mean there's yeah. some stuff going on but yeah, yeah you know yeah. not too much yeah voyager one was the was the probe that they just shot out into space to basically like forget about yeah <laughs> so it's just just keep going man <laughs> with a chuck berry record on it right yeah right or something like that just yeah. keep going you know yeah nice well the tune is a real banger let's hear it Off his album, Deep, the Baritone Sessions, Volume 2, here's Voyager 1 by Mark Letiri. Thank you. 
We're back with my special guest, Mark Latiri, and I'd like to take a moment and turn over the interview uh, to some of my Patreon supporters who reached out with some questions of their own. Cool. Um, Esther wants to know, uh, was there ever a point that you thought about abandoning your musical pursuits and what <laughs> caused you to continue? Um, it's never been a feeling of serious abandonment, okay. thankfully. Uh, but there have been some times where you're just like, man, I wish I could take a an actual vacation. <laughs> like actually stop, you yeah. know, un unplug, just turn it all off. Yeah. Um, doesn't mean I would qu quit it, but I think that's been sort of the, the, the thorn about being a, then your side about being a professional musician is, is the fear of losing traction or losing ground or getting passed over or forgotten about, or, you know, pick your, negative feeling insert mm -hmm. there but um you know just like like i have a family i would love to just go to the zoo or something and not be thinking about answering emails or answering texts or moving the needle to the next thing yeah. you know yeah. um but that's just part of the the career that i've chosen <laughs> yeah for myself um you know, thankfully, it's it's not gotten to the point where I've wanted to quit. I mean, I you know, I don't know in, if when I'm 70, am I going to want to still be on the road? I mean, I am definitely, hopefully, positioning myself to where, you know, financially, maybe I wouldn't have to do that as much. But if I still want to do it, then, you know, and it's not affecting my family life, then I'm going to do it. Yeah. You know, um, but uh yeah, you know, I, I mean, and you know, of course, and, and everybody probably felt this way during the the lockdown or you know the pandemic when it was just like, I mean, I definitely questioned a lot of things. I never thought about quitting. Yeah, at least it never got to that point. But I definitely was, was like, why am I doing this again? I need to take a minute and figure out, like, you know. And I think for me, it was just a matter of just being patient, and 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 not doing much, and and that's okay. Yeah. You know, I think I learned that it's like. You know, everyone's going through this. Everyone's being forgotten about. <laughs> you know, everyone's losing traction. It's not personal. <laughs> yeah, it's nothing personal. Yeah, it's not like the world, the music industry was like, you know, what? we we need to not care about Mark Latiri. <laughs> no, the whole yeah. planet was like, we don't care about any of you guys. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. So, we're all in this together. Right. So. Well, ironically and rather unexpectedly, the next two questions are related to a band that has come up in our conversation already today. All right. Van Halen. Love them. Okay. They have some great funky stuff, too. Oh, yeah? In the Fair Warning record. Okay, I'll put that on my homework list as well. Yeah, with Mountain. <laughs> with Mountain. Mountain and Van Halen. So yeah. Jeff wants to know how you transitioned from a Van Halen kid kind of a player to a fusion kind of a player hmm um i don't think i ever left being a van <laughs> halen kind of player. i mean really i i don't i mean yeah. i think if left to if i'm the only guitar player in the band my rhythm style my playing style is gonna be like edwards in the sense that i'm gonna be playing rhythm mixed with fills mixed with mm -hmm. lead lines that kind of thing um i mean maybe uh I started getting into other harmony 
chord progressions that maybe weren't found in Van Halen's music, but Van Halen has some interesting chord progressions on some of that stuff. If you really mm. listen to it. Um, I think a lot of people don't realize how big of an influence Alan Holdsworth was on Edwards playing. Hmm. Um, he was a massive Eddie Van, uh, Alan Holdsworth fan. I think okay. to the point where he almost produced a record for Alan or he actually did. And, and it never came out or, or something like that. But hmm. um, yeah, so I think the, the, the thread there is probably thicker than people realize. Um, hmm. You know, I think Eddie probably, I think he loved all that kind of stuff, you know? And so, um, uh, yeah, I, it's, I think people, you know, it's people lump Van Halen in with like the eighties metal stuff. And I, that to me is just not correct at yeah. all. <laughs> yeah. I mean, there's a huge difference between poison and Motley Crue and Van Halen. I oh, mean, like, totally. we're talking about like, yeah, it's not even in the same, but I think a lot of people are like, Oh yeah, Reno Van Halen is shredder rock dude. Like, yeah, maybe about that much, you know, yeah. tiny have you ever, bit. But. Have you ever thought about getting a, a canceller so you can do the... Oh, like the kill switch thing? Yeah, the kill switch thing. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I'm still trying to play a Marshall and not be terrified by the power. Yeah. So. Well, Doug has a question about a tune we're going to hear in a bit. On your song, Trinity... Okay. Coming, coming soon to a snarky puppy record near you. Um, right. He says that the vamp at the end begins with a distinct synth progression mm-hmm. that will be played before class in band rooms for years to come. <laughs> <laughs> nice. He asks if there's any chance that said synth part is a nod to Van Halen's jump. <laughs> That's a great question. Um, the chords... Where I wrote the chords on guitar, um, and that came from inspiration for that was from gospel, two gospel artists that I love, Fred Hammond and Myron Butler. Okay. Um, and there's they have some tunes that kind of have that kind of similar rhythm kind of kind of thing, and so that is where the inspiration for that came from. The sound Justin Stanton picked that himself. Okay. Um, I think Justin's a Van Halen fan. We've we've talked about Van Halen a lot, actually. Yeah. So maybe he's getting into it. But yeah, I think the sound on my demo was sort of a generic synth sound, but it wasn't like as maybe period correct as what Justin <laughs> picked. Um, but yeah, that's funny. That's he's not the first person that said that. Yeah. But I think that's great. Yeah. Anytime yeah. I can sneak some Van Halen into the Snarky Puppies, it's good with me. So Hell that's yeah. what he wants to hear. I'm into it. Yeah. <laughs> Well, thanks so much to my Patreon supporters for their questions. Uh, Participating on the podcast is just one of the many perks they get for their monthly financial help. Listeners, if you'd like to ask future guests like Mark Letiri questions, there's more info about our Patreon page at the end of the show. Well, uh, Mark, one band we haven't really talked much about yet is another powerhouse you joined, uh, I believe, in 2018. I'm talking about the Fearless Flyers, mm-hmm. um, which features fellow funk stars and Wolfpack band members, Corey Wong and Joe Dart. Um, how did you get into the Fearless Flyers? I got an email. <laughs> <laughs> I got an email from Corey. Um I mean, we had never met, uh, but I guess him and Jack Stratton from Wolfpack were kind of sourcing the music world to find someone to fill the baritone role. 
Um, okay. Apparently, the way what now that I've learned, you know, we've had this conversation. Now that I've been in the band. Uh, I guess Jack had this idea of having a band with three guitars in three registers, right? So oh wow! Guitar, baritone guitar, bass guitar, and then a really funky drummer. Okay. Um, and it was like, well, you know, obviously Corey, you'll play guitar, Joe, you'll play bass. So who the heck are we going to get to play baritone? And then one of them was scrolling Instagram and came across me doing a baritone funk thing, and they were mm-hmm. like wait a minute <laughs> we didn't i think they knew who i was you know just through music and snarking stuff, but maybe didn't realize that i was doing this baritone thing and so, so i got an email uh from Corey, and and um there wasn't really much information that he gave like i he did, there was no real information about how we were going to write the songs um i was a bit hesitant because i kind of wanted to not just be the baritone guy at that you know i was like well f- you know let's play guitar together man or whatever um but I was like, okay, cool. Yeah. Well, this will be fun. I'll try it out. You know, we'll do it. And, um, and th- then it just kind of came together after that. And we, now we have this tradition of getting together every January and come up with tunes and, and doing these little records. And now we're finally kind of playing gigs. Um, yeah. next week I'm going to Europe with them and we've got a couple shows out there and nice to uh, another festival in, we're doing Halloween, you know, at Sewanee. Um, and then I don't know if I can say the next gig cause I don't think it's been announced yet, but, um, your fans will will know about it. All right. Well, this will come out on the fifteenth, September fifteenth. Okay. Yeah, so. I probably can't say, but it, okay. it it'll be fun. It's a big one. Yeah. Okay. Um, but did yeah, you, it's a, it's a cool band, man. Really did, cool. Did you know Corey? Did you know about him before? Yeah. You got the yeah. Interview? I mean, I I was kind of watching him, um, more kind of checking out what he was doing as a solo artist. Um, I knew he was part of Wolfpack and and had that, yeah, had that thing going. So, um. Yeah, it was, it's been really cool to, to to watch all those acts kind of like, you know, extend into the stratosphere. Yeah. Really. Did you did you feel like you were being punked when you got an e- email from him or like have, <laughs> or maybe maybe even spread that across maybe a more broader sense? Have you ever received some sort of communication from an artist and feel like now this is. This is a joke. This can't be. Uh, no, I didn't think it was a. It, I didn't think it was a joke. I thought it was kind of an interesting ask because, yeah. like, I didn't. You know, at the time, there was no cross pollination between Snarky and Wolfpack, for example. Which I think, yeah. at least not to my knowledge, I think may nothing official like that. Yeah. Um, You're also but talking I know, about Minneapolis and Fort Worth, right? Sure. Yeah. Right. It's so a pretty pretty different. Um, and so. You know, I, I think there were a lot of fans that were like, you know, when are they going to do something together? When is, you know, are these, are are they even similar? Do they even like each other? Like, what, <laughs> you know, whatever it is. Yeah. And so, so when I got the email, I was like, huh, this is w- interesting. Kind of weird. Yeah. You know, and, and at first I, I kind of was like almost, I wouldn't say not into it, but skeptical because the baritone thing to me hadn't really become uh, maybe be something that I was that serious about at that point. Okay. And so, cause I hadn't done the baritone sessions records yet. It was okay. for me, it was just something I was exploring and kind of an extension of how I was relating to what I was putting out on social media, et cetera. And it, when I was digging it, but you know, I prided myself as a, I'm a, re- I'm a standard guitar player, you know, like, come on, man, you, you, you won't play with me. You know, <laughs> you give me a regular six string, you know? Uh, but then I realized like, wait a minute, no, okay. This baritone thing's actually pretty awesome. Uh, the two of us are going to sound really cool together and, yeah. and off it went. So, you know, yeah, I got a I, daily, I put my ego in the trash can. 
Well, I was gonna I was gonna ask what's the dynamic like when you and Corey both on your own are power horse powerhouse guitarists. Is it competitive at all? Or I well, or is it... I, I don't even know what we would be competing for at this point. I mean I mean, I guess it, you're different registers, but I we're mean we're pretty different. Yeah. I mean I, I think we both uh I think really at the end of it, we both like writing cool music and we both like playing funk guitar, but like our styles of funk guitar are very different and our ideas of cool music are very different. I mean, like my solo stuff does not sound like his solo stuff. Yeah. We wrote, but, but both stuff is great. Yeah. We, we wrote one tune together, that song concrete, which is a tune I brought to him for his, his record. Okay. That just came out. And, that's probably the most Mark Letiri sounding song that he has. <laughs> right. But it also is the most Corey Wong sounding song that I have. <laughs> so, uh, so it worked out that way. And, you know, and I, I kind of positioned that track so that it would be, both of us could kind of do our thing and meld it nicely. So it didn't sound like one guy was existing in the other guy's world. Yeah. You know, too, too much. Um, I'd love to do that again. I mean, we've kind of talked about, um, making that more of a regular thing, just, you know, who, regardless of whose record it would be on just to, just to make more cool music. Cause, cause we do have, he, he kind of reels me in from outer space <laughs> sometimes, <laughs> which is good. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I want to ask you about, um, a somewhat recurring theme in your music. Um, your album, Mark Letary knows it's spelled oh, yeah. K N O W S. It features artwork uh, showing a side profile of your, nose n-o-s-e yep um you played songs in jazz and june named after your cats you have yep. song titles like big duck slug yep. bug blockhead stoplight loose jaw to name a few you clearly have a great sense of humor that finds its way into your music is this an intentional move on your part to like keep you from taking yourself too seriously or is it just like um, in your musical DNA. Well, I, I mean, it's just a, I think it's just an extension of my personality, you yeah. know, and, and I know that, um, I, I, it, it, I take my, I take my music very seriously. Mm-hmm. Right. Like I, uh, but I also understand that like, if, if, if people can't relate to you on a human level, right. That it, it puts up a wall. Yeah. You know, and, and, and I've, uh, yeah, I mean, the song titles are, are what they are because, you know, I mean, some of them, I mean, the song big duck, I saw a big duck, <laughs> you know, I mean the whole, the whole nose, that whole record. I mean, I kind of did that because at the time I was like, nobody's going to hear this, you know what I mean? It's good. <laughs> but at the same time, I wanted to make it as best as I possibly could. Yeah. And I loved those tunes and, and was really passionate about making them great. But at the same time, it's like, you know, I, I, I I'm just, I'm, at the end of the day, I'm just a regular dude. Like there's, I don't want to be viewed as like a, a really intense, like brooding. Yeah. <laughs> serious kind of, which is probably why Corey and I get along great. Cause we, he's a whole, you know, he's a total comedian. Yeah. And, and I'm, I also like being funny just in a different way, you know? And so it's sort of like. It's nice to kind of just, I mean, heck, dude, I make instrumental guitar music, man. Like, what? <laughs> if you take, come on, like, that's gotta be, that's funny to begin with. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? Well, I, I think it's a great way to connect with your audience, too. I mean, like at Jazz in June, I mean, you're like, you're just all over the place, deep into this, you know, really heavy music. And then you're like, okay, so that was a song about my cats. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but you know what, man? Like, I think that maybe, and that's maybe deep down, that's kind of how I relate to music is that it's something that needs to make me laugh. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and as much as I have a serious side and a sensitive side, I, I think that manifests itself in different ways. I mean, there are tunes on there on that. I've, you know, every song I've done has a song for my wife or every record I have has a song for my wife, you know, okay. now every record has a song for my kid. Um, and okay, those well, are, okay. What was the song for your wife in, in deep, uh, baritones the well, first those, record those, those they don't yeah those okay. <laughs> the baritone thing's another thing but, okay okay yeah, i was gonna that, say i want to see which song no, those are those are more here. thematic in terms of like the first record all the titles are named after deep sea fish fish the yeah. second record all has the space theme space. deep space and then the third one i think i'm gonna do possibly ca caves <laughs> okay <laughs> again it's instrumental guitar music if i was up here you know being serious I would lose fans <laughs> probably, <laughs> you know, it's like the world has enough snobby musicians. You don't, you don't need any more of those. Yeah. So, yeah. Well, let's get to your last track. Uh, this is a song I'm particularly excited about. And uh, we talked about it briefly momentarily or uh, a minute ago. Um, the third and final tune that you sent me is Trinity. Um, that's, uh, this is going to be on Snarky Puppy's next album, Empire Central. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. Um, this song is just layered thick with so much dirty funk and like all these cool little memorable moments by various Snarky Puppy members. How did this song, uh, come together? Well, uh, I had the initial guitar arpeggio, that seven, eight thing that starts off the track, um, just cataloged on my phone um from a, a couch noodling session okay <laughs> and and i think the only thing in my mind was like this is neat and it sounds like a classic snarky puppy thing so i was like well all right congrats put it on the I shelf got, i got that snarky. far yeah exactly yeah. um and then when it came time to like kind of get focused about maybe writing for the record i barred it out i was like well what can i do with this you know and then Michael was like, Hey guys, when you're writing tunes for this album, think about Texas, think about Texas music. Think about your experiences there. The, the, you know, the musicians that influenced you, the friends mm. you have, whatever the food you ate, who cares? Um, and so I was like, okay, I can take this little classic snarky puppy riff. Cause that's Texas. Right. Uh, and turn and keep going with it and, and bring in some other influences from, you know, ZZ top to, to Fred Hammond and Myron Butler, you know, cause I was big into Texas rock, but I was also big into Texas black gospel music. And so, mm -hmm. um, I was like, how can we make this kind of work together? And that's was, that's how the song happened. I, it, I wrote it pretty quick. I mean, really just a couple days. Wow. Really? Um, yeah, it, it happened fast. Um, and, and I think a part of it, also was that I stopped really thinking too deeply about uh, writing an arrangement where I felt the need to impress everyone in the band with all the cool parts they were going to play and just write something that I thought sounded good. Yeah. You know, and then, and then, you know, we'll figure out how to make it fit with the band. Yeah. But I think in previous years when I tried to write songs, I was like, okay, and then the horse needs to do this. And then when that happens, the keyboards need to do this. And then the percussion is going to do it. And it just, the song just ends up sucking because it's not a song. It's like a 
gymnastics exercise or something. Yeah. <laughs> and so with Trinity, it was like, this is great. The band could play this. They're going to sound awesome, you know? Yeah. And so, uh, it was, it was cool. Yeah. I, I, I hope it works live. You know, I, I don't know. I mean, I, 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 I don't know. We'll see. Well, <laughs> Actually, speaking of live, uh, I've I've watched the live video, uh, the performance of this on YouTube, and without spoiling too much, there's this moment at the end where keyboardist and fellow Forty Minutes of Funk guest Sean Martin gets caught up at, at the uh, at, with the yeah. music at the end, and he has what looks like almost a an, a religious type of experience. What was going through your head at that moment that this happens? Uh, man, I, you know, I was just glad we got there. Um, you know, the tune, uh, I guess the back half of the song is really kind of like the, the spiritual release of the music, um, Mm -hmm. because it was sort of written in almost like this kind of three part thing that's supposed to where Trinity comes from. Kind of. Yeah. I mean, I found a name for it after I wrote it and it all just sort of made sense. And the Trinity is, uh, there's a river here in, DFW that connects all the different parts of Texas that we all used to live in, you know? Okay. And obviously there's a spiritual element to it. Sure. Um, the, of the actual Holy Trinity. Right. But, um, yeah, I mean, it was designed as like, you know, you, you kind of are, maybe you're paddling down this river and it's dark and it's mysterious and it's funky and it's dirty and there's garbage and, you know, it smells strange. And then you get into this other part of the river that's, bright and happy and there's kids playing and people having picnics. And that was my experience on that river. Uh Uh, I ride my bike down it all the time. Okay. And, um, yeah, there are parts where I was like, God dang it. There's a tire, you know, it was like a floating tractor tire. That's all. It's awful. You know, we got to get rid of that. And then you, you know, two miles later, kids are playing basketball and like, there's a food truck and like all, you know, kayaking and all this lovely stuff. And so the back half of that tune was kind of that release out of the darkness, you know? And so Jameson wanted to keep playing it. <laughs> so yeah. he counted the tune back in and off we went. Yeah. You know, so. That's really cool. Yeah. That's how it happened. Well, you've made 40 minutes of funk history today with this song, clocking it at over 11 and a half Whoops. minutes. Sorry. It's, no, no, it's great. <laughs> it's now the longest song ever included on the on the podcast, All beating right. the previous record holder, Lance Ferguson. Okay. Whose tune, Many Worlds, came in at just over 11 minutes. Ooh. So, All right. Let's con- check that one in. Congratulations. Uh, thanks for sending yeah, this monster <laughs> yeah, our way. <laughs> Let's hear it. Uh, performed by live by Snarky Puppy, Mark Letiri's tune, Trinity.
Today's guest is Mark Letiri. And Mark, uh, in addition to your solo career and your work uh, with Snarky Puppy and the Fearless Flyers, you've also got a huge side hustle, as we've talked about, backing up numerous other big name artists. Could you share a, a favorite memory from backing up someone else or one of sure. your favorite memories? Well, you mentioned Nelly, I think, in the beginning. And I did one gig with Nelly. Okay. Uh, yeah, I was not a member of his band, but I did play with him when he came. Oh, a cat just ran. Just saw here. a cat. That's crazy. Um, that's what happens. That's why I write songs about him. Yeah. Um, but he came to the Texas State Fair, and a friend of mine who was uh, related, knew the band, was like, hey, they need a guitar player to fill in or whatever. Can you do it? And so I said, sure. And uh, it was a really fun gig, actually. It was probably one of the loudest shows I've ever done. And Because what he <laughs> yeah. does is he has a DJ that basically plays his records, and then the band just plays on top of the records. Oh, wow. Um, but I brought my wife, and she was pregnant with our daughter, and so that was technically my daughter's first concert <laughs> was Nelly, Nelly sitting on the side of the stage. Nice. Um, but, uh, man, I think one of the, one of the most memorable things was when Snarky did family dinner volume two and we mm -hmm. backed up David Crosby. That's a beautiful, um, that was beautiful wild. moment. Yeah. That, that was wild. Um, that was great. I mean, obviously the thing with Layla Hathaway was amazing. I mean, you know, there were some great shows with, with Badu, um, uh, you know, all sorts of stuff, man. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the, I remember the first time I played with Eric Gales, who has been a big influence of mine, yeah. you know, and getting to trade lakes with him and obviously getting my ass kicked, but it doesn't really <laughs> matter. Uh, that was really cool. Oh, that's cool. So, well, I would be remiss if I failed <clears throat> to mention your, your recent deal with, uh, Paul Reed Smith guitars and mm -hmm. your signature, uh, electric guitar. Could you tell us just for a second about, is it Fiore? Fire? Yeah, that's how you say it. Fiore. Fiore. Yeah. Yeah. Your signature guitar and how that relationship with PRS came to pass. Mm -hmm. um, I had been playing their guitars for a while. I was playing, um, but not their single coil bolt on style of guitars. I was playing, if, you, if you're looking, there's these humbucker ones back here mm -hmm. um, that had kind of replaced my Les Paul, really. Um, I was like, uh, they, they, we got in touch and they'd sent one over and I was, you know, pleasantly surprised because um, mm -hmm. I didn't grow up as like a PRS guitar fan just because a lot of the artists that were playing PRS at the time when I was 15, just, I wasn't a fan of, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, anyway, so, so they kind of sent one and I, I was like, Whoa, this is incredible. You know? So we started up a great relationship. I, I helped them out with some amp demos and some, you know, the guitar demos and, um, they were looking to expand their bolt on, style line, you know, cause they had so much success with the silver sky for John Mayer. Mm -hmm. Um, they wanted to kind of continue that, uh, going down that path. And, and so they said, you know, would you like to, to be the guy that helps us do that? Um, and I said, uh, yes. <laughs> uh, and, um, so that kind of started the process and a lot of R and D and a lot of shaving of millimeters and trying different pickup lines and all these kinds of things. And, um, yeah, I just, I really just wanted to develop a guitar that, uh, encompassed where the sound was in my head, but also something that could help me continue refining that sound. Yeah. Um, you know, not something that I felt held back by, 
uh, or defined by necessarily. Like I wanted to define what the guitar sounded like. I didn't want the guitar to define what I sounded like. Yeah. Um, and that takes a lot of work. You know, yeah. I have a couple, I have very few guitars in my arsenal that I'm able to do that with. Um, and so, uh, so that started off the, the, the journey there and, and we picked a name. Actually, I let my daughter name it cause she said she, the first one what we built was the red one and she thought it looked like a flower. And, uh, we had been toying around with picking an Italian name just to kind of honor my family's heritage. And, um, turns out a ta- a flower in Italian is Fiore, which just is perfect name for yeah. a guitar. Yeah. Um, and so I had my mom design the truss rod cover to kind of create a logo for the guitar, oh, nice. uh, which we have now branded into t-shirts and hats. <laughs> wow. <laughs> uh, yeah. But, um, yeah, so we got my I got my mom involved, you know, we got we got the Italian thing going on and and uh, all the colors are named after different species of flowers. Oh, wow, that's so, cool. Yeah. Do so you, it's, it's really been really a fun process. That sounds like an amazing opportunity. Do you are you able to give some away to like friends or have you have Well, you- um we what we do do is we've we've done a lot of a couple giveaways for uh events or you know different kinds of charities and stuff like that, and which stuff, is yeah. yeah which has been really cool um but uh yeah i don't just have like a stack of them in the back that i can hand out to the <laughs> there are, you know what's interesting is all every guitar manufacturer right now is really struggling to build stuff just because the the pandemic just wrecked shop on mm-hmm. supply chain supply chain yeah and so i think anytime i call prs and ask for something they're like dude are you serious <laughs> <laughs> okay i was like all right maybe i don't need it right now you know <laughs> Yeah, that's funny. Let us build the guitars the people have ordered first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know. Uh so where can listeners go to buy their own uh Mark Latiri signature Fiore? Well, you can go uh to any major music retailer online. We'll have it. Uh okay. if if that's what if you're a Sweetwater person or American Musical Supply or Guitar Center or whatever, they all carry it. Um a lot of stores carry it. Um, you can go on PRS's website. They have a list of all the private dealer or, you know, mom and pop brick and mortar mm-hmm. dealers, which mm-hmm. of course I would say go there first. Top there first. Um, and there's, there's a couple stores in Texas that have them. Um, but, uh, yeah, they're not hard to find. Yeah. So, well, Mark, uh, what have we not covered today? Uh, what else is going on with you now or in the future that listeners need to know about? Um, well, I'll be on the road quite a bit um i guess if you're on the east coast this comes out september 15th yes sir okay well if you're on the east coast uh on the 15th we'll be in marlboro new york at the falcon nice. and then on the 16th we'll be at cafe 939 at berkeley in boston okay. and then doing 17th and 18th two nights at the iridium in new york city uh and then snarky puppy goes to europe where i will accompany them for the first three weeks of october and then the Mark Letiri group goes to Europe uh, for the first for November 1st through the 20th. And so I'll be announcing that those dates, I think the snarky puppy dates are already on my website. The September dates are on my website. And then the November European dates with my band will be on, uh, on my website. I think this coming Friday. So like it'll already be up by the time this thing's out. Okay. Yeah. Oh, and then I have an EP coming out, I think. Oh yeah. I did a so. little, uh, a record with my trio, which is JT on drums and Wes Stevenson on bass um, of some really just kind of simple guitar melody, chill out stuff. Not a lot of fireworks, just, just tones. 
Yeah. And so it'll, it's kind of a, definitely a departure from anything I've ever done. So people will either be bored to tears or they'll think it's really unique and special. So <laughs> that's how I live my life. <laughs> Ones when's and that, zeros. <laughs> when's that coming out? Uh, probably November. So okay. A little bit. Yeah. Great. And uh, dare I ask, what is dad rock? Dad rock. All right. It's a whole other podcast. No, dad rock. <laughs> dad rock is a band uh, that some, me and some friends here in Fort Worth put together um, where we play kind of like the music that our dads were playing in the house when we were younger. Okay. Um, and we're all about the same age. Our parents are all more or less the same age, sort of like aging boomer types. And so most of it was like, uh, adult, what do they call it? Adult oriented rock AOR <laughs> or potentially yacht rock from yacht like rock. 74 to 86. Okay. And so it's, so the playlist is like Eagles, Toto, uh, Phil Collins, Jackson Chicago. Brown. I haven't done a Chicago time yet. Uh, okay. Paul and Oates, um, the Doobie brothers, Love um, it. journey, uh, Huey Lewis in the news, you oh, know, yeah. stuff that we all love. And, yeah. and so we get together every couple of months and do a show and nice. it's always a big well to do. <laughs> we like sort of dress of period. Correct. A little bit. you know. <laughs> yeah. So that's yeah. what dad rock is. And we're all dads except for Daniel. Daniel does not have a child yet. Or as far as he knows, I don't know. Yeah. We'll, figure it out but maybe he's got a cat too he <laughs> i don't think he could take care of a cat <laughs> <laughs> well mark where can listeners go to uh hear more of your music and follow you online um i'm all over uh, if you just google mark latiri it'll probably pull up my website where you can find tour dates you can find uh all the instructional video stuff that i've done mm-hmm. um links to all the music but yeah we're on spotify and itunes and it's pretty easy to find. Instagram is MJ Latiri. Uh, Facebook is Mark Latiri. Twitter is MJ Latiri, but I don't tweet very much because I don't. I just I don't know. It's one other app I have to keep track of, and I'm just not into it. Can relate. Uh, probably most active on on Instagram and, and maybe Facebook, but uh, yeah, check out the music. Hopefully you'll, you'll like it. All right, we'll put links to those in the episode notes. Uh, Mark, it has been such a blast talking with you today. Thank you so Likewise, much. Likewise, man. Giving totally. me so much time. Yeah, absolutely. It. I have enjoyed so much getting to know you better today. Um, and thanks for being my guest on the 40 minutes of funk podcast. I think it was uh, an hour and 22 minutes of funk though. Yeah, I think okay. it was. Yeah. Plus the music and we got That'll 11 right. and a half minute song in there. So all right. So we're good. about an hour and 40 minutes of funk. Hey, check it out. Yeah. It's still yeah. 40 minutes. Just yeah. extra. Just like put a sticker on top of the logo. So yeah. an hour and 40 minutes. Of yeah. Funk. Yeah. Yeah, best of luck, man, with all of these projects. Thanks. Travel safe as you're as you're touring overseas, and Thank you. Um, let's stay in touch. Actually, you know what? We might be uh, at VZDs in Oklahoma City uh, in December. So if okay. you want to come hang out, I will definitely. I don't have the exact that. date yet, but it's getting put together. That will be a great show. Is this? Yeah, it's a fun uh, venue. Who? Sparkle Cheery Group. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. I'm gonna bring all my friends. Please do. Well, yeah, that's yeah. great. Okay. That's great to know. Yeah, we'll follow up, too. Okay, sounds good, man. Well, thanks again, man. I appreciate so much your time and your music and uh, your great sense of humor. Keep keep rocking in the free world, my friend. Thanks, Michael. Appreciate you, man. Appreciate it, bud. Hey, friends. It's Michael B. again. Let's gather around the campfire as we close off another episode of the 40 Minutes of Funk podcast. I am just so excited about today's guest, and I have so many 
wonderful people to thank for making today's episode a success. Uh, first of all, thank you for listening and uh, tuning into the show um, and uh, giving your time to check out Mark Letary's story and his music. Uh, just what a great person to have on the show. Um, just I love so much that... He is this incredible musician, but also so down-to-earth, humble, funny, like self-deprecating. And he has done so much music and still has so much to do. Um, Clearly, he is going to continue just blasting off into the stratosphere. And um, what a fun person to talk with and a great perk to have him on the show and to have him play on the 40 Minutes of Funk theme music. So once again, thanks to Mark for playing on that and for being my guest today. Thank you for listening um, and tuning in uh, to this episode. I need to thank Norman's Jazz in June Festival uh, and to their board for giving me a chance to meet Mark uh, this summer. Uh, when they invited me to MC on the Funk Night of their annual concert series, where uh, Mark Letiri played as well um, as Ghost Note, uh, which made for a really spectacular show. What a fun, fun night that was. So thanks again to Jazz and June. Uh, if you're in Oklahoma and you want to come and see, or outside of Oklahoma and want to come here to see the Jazz in June Festival, it happens, as you would guess, every June in Norman, Oklahoma. You can check it out at jazzinjune.org. Um, it's a great organization. They put on amazing music, um, and uh, I definitely highly recommend coming into town to see it. It's, it's a great show. Um, I also need to thank... My Patreon supporters uh, like Esther, Jeff, and Doug, who took advantage of their membership. Uh, and one of the perks that comes with supporting the 40 Minutes of Funk podcast, they got to ask Mark Letiri questions. And if you are interested in going in behind the scenes and learning about who our future guests are going to be, getting to ask them questions ahead of time, and also getting to hear this podcast before it goes public. You get to hear this in advance. Um, I would love for you to check out my Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash 40 minutes of funk. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash 40 minutes of funk using the numbers four and zero. Or you can just go to the website, 40 minutes of funk.com and click through to our Patreon support page. Um, You can join with as little as $5 a month in support, um, and that goes up $5, $10, $20 as well, depending on how much you like the show and how many perks you want. Um, But you can also get things like exclusive bonus content. Many times our artists provide um, rare songs that uh, you don't always get to hear on Spotify or the radio. And um, there's also discounts on merchandise, which, again, I have brand new shirts that are almost here. I can't wait. I can't wait to to have T-shirts to to show you guys and and, uh, let you show your support by wearing a 40 Minutes of Funk T-shirt. But that's coming soon. I'll tell you more about that later. Um, I also need to thank my dear friend, Stefan Rettenbacher, 
whose song Functionality by Rettenbacher's Funkestra now graces our lengthy intro, our new intro, uh, and made it so, so funky. Stefan is a, a, a fantastic composer, as you've heard uh, now, and uh, he's a brilliant bass player and a wonderful person. In fact, I interviewed him back in season one of the 40 Minutes of Funk uh, podcast, and he and I just really hit it off and became great friends. And he was very kind to offer his song Functionality. That's spelled F-U-N-K, Functionality, by Rettenbacher's Funkestra. If you want to hear the whole thing and not hear me yabbing, yabbering on, blabbering on, on top of that about the history of funk, then just go to, uh, go to Spotify and you can hear the whole thing there. It's got over a million downloads and for good reason. It's a dang good song. Functionality by Rettenbacher's Funkestra. Thanks again, buddy. Appreciate your 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 keen um, insight into the show to make it better and sending that song my way. I hope you all like that lengthy intro, or at least can tolerate it now that I'm <laughs> it's got music on top of it. I promise I won't keep that long intro for much longer. Just want to give some context to the show and the many amazing people we're talking to throughout this podcast. Um, you can also support the podcast um, by uh, checking it out on uh, social media and sharing the word. We are on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at 40 Minutes of Funk using the numbers four and zero. So please reach out to me there, like, share posts, tell your friends and family about the podcast. I sure appreciate that. I also host a radio show that I think you might like, and it's called Tonic the Funky Groove Show, uh, and it is on KGOU, which is the uh, Oklahoma City uh, NPR affiliate, and you can hear it every Friday from 9 to 11 p.m. Central on KGOU.org, or tell your smart speaker to play KGOU. Um, you can also find us on iHeartRadio and other places, but um, definitely suggest checking out the show Friday nights, 9 to 11 p.m., anywhere on the planet, online at kgou.org. And uh, I'm on Facebook, Twitter, and uh, Instagram at Funky Groove Show. Well, the 40 Minutes of Funk theme music uh, is written and copyrighted by me and performed by an incredible lineup of musicians, including Mark Latiri. And uh, you can check out who else is on that recording. Uh, on the 40 Minutes of Funk website, 40minutesoffunk.com. That's it for me today, guys. Thank you all so much again for listening. And uh, we're going to be back next week with another amazing artist. So many great um, artists, musicians, and experts coming in Season 2 of the 40 Minutes of Funk podcast. So please stick around. Keep listening, keep spreading the word, getting your funky friends and family to listen as well. Remember that funk music is all about being on the one. Simply put, treat everyone equally, be kind to others, especially those who are different from you. Be well, friends. Thanks again. I'll catch you next time. <laughs>